This podcast contains swearing, drinking, lame dad jokes, descriptions of gross body problems, and lots of history. Consider yourself warned. This king googled his symptoms. You won't believe what he found. to Monarchs and Malarkey, the podcast where we take an alcohol-laden dive into the weird and quirky health histories and deaths of leaders throughout time. I'm your host, Danielle. I'm your co-host, Mike. And I'm your favorite person in the whole wide world, Amanda. It's true. Oh, that wasn't just towards you. That was everyone who listens. Really I'm their favorite. I, <laughs> we're not going to get a bunch of people go on and be like, you suck. What are you talking about? <laughs> we like that quiet Mike guy. <laughs> The one where they never let talk. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. It's because they don't know I'm a ginger. Why would you share that now they know? You know what? One of our uh, reviews actually was grateful for the fact you're a ginger. So. Um, so we had gotten an alcohol for tonight. Michael is never allowed to ever buy the alcohol for these show for these ever again. Wah, wah. First okay. of all, this is a king of Spain and he bought a French wine. Oops. So our liquor store <laughs> did not have any Spanish wine. I bet they did, and I, he just couldn't find it. But Charles's wife, second wife, was French. So that so makes that was it. the connection I made. Well, it's a Bordeaux. I don't know what it's called. Daniel, it's you have the bottle. Mouton Cadet. It is. I'm so sorry if anyone from this wine company hears this. It is so bad. <laughs> It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad, which is why Michael is never allowed to ever do it again. So Danielle and I are drinking Guinness. You know what? To be fair, though, we don't actually know that much about wine. So it's probably actually really good. I know. There's probably people who listen and be like, that's a fabulous wine. And we'll be like, oh, we like Arbor Mist. So like, yeah. it was 10 bucks. So <laughs> it couldn't be that good. Yeah, we're like super into really super cheap fruity wines. It's real. Michael's still drinking it for some reason, though. Because he's he's like a fussy old lady. He doesn't want to waste anything. Yeah. So Daniel. look at his face. He's like, no, this is not good. <laughs> it's not that it's good. Not good. After you drink a bit of it, your mouth kind of goes numb, so the flavor <laughs> like just diminishes. So anyway, this anyway, episode. This episode is our first listener episode. This is from Emily. Emily suggested Charles II of Spain. So thank you, Emily. We hope you're thank still you, listening through our rather long break that we took we had a whole bunch of weird stuff come up and travel that came up and we haven't been able to record for a couple of weeks but we're back we're back and i mean this is not in line with the timeline we've been following in england correct um but we wanted to do a special episode just for emily so and to be fair charles the second of spain was alive during some of the british royals were talking about yeah. So it's, we just it's haven't fair. reached this time yet in our yeah. English history yet. But, but we're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. So, Emily, thank you so much for the suggestion. And I hope we do your suggestion some justice. So, Mike, why don't you get us rolling on Charles II of Spain? So, Charles II was born November 6th, 1661, in Madrid, Spain. His parents were Philip IV and Mariana of Austria. Fun fact. 
Philip and Mariana were uncle and niece, what? making Charles their great nephew and first cousin. <laughs> Sorry, this. I know that the whole intermarrying and families thing was very prevalent in royalty, but ew. <laughs> just uh, uncle and niece. Like, it's just, it's gross. <laughs> Quick fun fact. One of the only universals you will find in humanity is incest taboos. Right? So in some places, like in these royal families, in those societies, that's completely not considered to be incestual. Yep. You know, but here we would not have any problem marrying a classmate. And in other parts of the world, your classmates are considered your siblings and you're not supposed to marry them. So... Well, that sucks. That's, like, where you meet people, like, college and everything. <laughs> That's where you meet your future's yeah. partner. It's a fun little uh, anthropological fact there for y'all. So all eight grandparents were descendants of Joanna and Philip I of Castile. And Amanda is going to go ahead and talk to us about the lifestyles of the rich and famous of France, or of Spain, Spain. at the time. Spain. France? The do you even know Central. who we're talking about? I do know. I'm pretty sure he just drank enough wine to make himself a little bit drunk. He's You're hitting the even sauce though. early. Charles, was, as he said, was born in the 1600s. This was considered the tail end of what they call the Golden Age of Spain. The Golden Age started in about the 1400s and ended right before the 1700s. We'll get into why later, <laughs> why it ended. Um, but this was considered the golden age of Spain for many things, including literature, architecture, paintings. This is the time period of the publication of Don Quixote, which, I mean, who doesn't know what Don Quixote is? I knew she was going to do that. Yeah. I totally said I before we started recording. I love that musical so, so, so much. She um, made me cry. <laughs> Don Quixote was published in 1605 or 1615. They're not actually sure when it was first published. But it kind of paved the way for what literature became in Spain at that time. It was also known as some of the greatest time of architecture in Spain. Um, it was very much influenced by Italian Baroque architecture that Philip II, who was the king before... Charles, um, was really into. And it also was when El Greco was alive, who's considered one of the greatest painters in Spain's history. And we've seen some of his paintings. Mm -hmm. They're beautiful. So it was a very, um, like, glorious, wonderful time in Spain, and then it all came crashing down. But <laughs> um, at the time, Catholicism was the largest religion in Spain. Shocker. Mm. Um, though it was not as heavily followed or strict as in England and stuff at the time. They were a little more loose with their morals and followings of well, the church. in England by now, their Catholicism's not even the main religion at all, and it, the Inquisition is over at this point. Mm -hmm. People are not nearly as terrified of having to be religious as they used to be. It, it was still the largest religion, and it was actually the main career choice of people at the times. Mm -hmm. Spanish society greatly favored the wealthy, Again, shocker. shocker. <laughs> Nobility were not only just richer and had more prosperous lives, they were exempt from things like taxes. 
Which makes no sense. I mean, it's America today. Oh, yeah. But it still, it just makes no sense. If you have the money, you should be paying the highest amount into society. Oh, yeah. They were exact, exempt from taxes. They didn't have to pay for their lands half the time. Half the time, they didn't even have to pay for their food. Like, nobility literally did nothing. Um, work was actually considered an undignified act for nobles. You were not allowed to work. So the only acceptable careers for nobles was either the church, mm-hmm. going into the clergy, or, funny enough, education. Education was extremely important to Spanish society at the time. A lot of nobility would spend 10 to 15, if not more, years at university. Like, they just wanted to study. Because, you know, they couldn't work, so why not just study? I mean, study? that's basically my life now. I was going to say, isn't that you right now? That yeah. really is. Y'all, I am I am certifiably crazy. I actually mean that. I have mental illnesses. But that's not why I'm doing what I'm doing right now. I am not only doing my master's program now, I'm also... Mm-hmm doing another bachelor's degree because I, I mean, I'm a noble woman and I, <laughs> while, while teaching college classes, she leaves yeah. that out. I can't, I can't just sit around and do nothing. So if yeah. you're bored, getting more education is a good way to go. Um, so by 1660, so right before Charles was born, just to give you an idea of how prevalent the church was, there was over 200,000 members of the clergy in Spain alone. And the church itself owned over 20% of the land in Spain. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot of land. So even though it was, like, not nearly as strict as sometimes in history, like in England and stuff we've talked about in the past, it still was everywhere. But the really interesting thing I wanted to get into was kind of my thing, food. A lot of my research, I found this really awesome article that a woman had found a Spanish menu from 1568. So this is a little before Charles's time, but food didn't change that much in a few hundred years. Found a copy of a menu that was served to the Archbishop of Valencia. Named after the Valencia orange. Yes, it was. (laughs) And was able to not only find it, but translate it. And she actually took a lot of the recipes she found and tried to make them. And at some point we will post some of these recipes and stuff that she found to give you kind of an idea of what was regularly eaten at the time. But I thought I'd just read this menu. And to give you an idea, this menu was supposed to be made for only five people. (laughs) This isn't like some giant big feast. This was for like him and four guests. So this was what was served at one of his meals. Bread, wine, and sweet oranges. Okay. Two roasted hens, six roasted partridges, half a kid in crust, which when we were talking about that earlier, because I had no idea what it meant by half a kid, we think it means goat. Yeah. Not children. Not actual children, because goats can be called kids. A roast boar, stoned ram meatballs. Wait, a whole roast boar? A whole roast boar. Stoned ram meatballs with eight eggs, which I find to be really oddly specific that they have to say eight eggs. Yeah. What is a st- stone? Stoned? I'm not sure what that means, honestly. Maybe they kill it with rocks to tenderize it? Maybe I don't they get they use really high. My guess is, yeah, something like tenderizing. I, yeah. I don't know what that actually refers to. A stewed ram, two pounds. This is funny. The rest of the stuff is actually measured out in pounds of how much they made. Turnips and bacon. Yes. Right? I would eat that. Stewed pork, two pounds. Four pounds large apples. And two cardones, which are a thistle-like plant that are similar to an artichoke. And olives, cheese, and very specifically, 50 nuts. Exactly 50 nuts. Exactly 50 nuts. 
How much food do you think that would normally serve? My son. Like, <laughs> like that's a meal for like 30 people. Yeah. I don't know. Have you seen Nathaniel eat lately? Like, this that's is, fair. Yeah. This was old. for five people. Yeah, that's... And as you can tell, it's a very meat-heavy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Spanish food, especially in this time, was really laden heavily in meats. Um, and funnily... Probably for the nobility. Well, funnily and funny enough, and a lot of the stuff that you'll find is that even the peasants and the poor ate a lot of meat. Meat was actually very easy to come by at, there at the time. They were so prosperous at the time that it wasn't that hard. Poor usually ate things called pottages, which was kind of just like a stew of vegetables. And whatever sometime, you could throw in. Whatever you yeah. could throw in. I mean, it, they had meat. It was probably not good meat. It's probably like street pigeon. <laughs> probably. Could be. E- everything that you will find with it, it's really heavily laden in meats and vegetables. There's not too many fruits and very little breads. They weren't really carb heavy. Well, they didn't have a lot in the way of, of big agricultural farm areas, except for cattle and pigs and things like that. Mm-hmm. So some of these recipes, just for fun, I'll post later after this episode. One of them is called a Clara de Agua, which is a spiced water beverage. I don't know what that means. <laughs> so is that like the Mio energy drinks? Yes. That is exactly what it is. A modern pottage, which was just a dish of greens, like I was saying before. Pottage of coriander called the first. It's very specific names. Which was a pottage with chicken. Something called thick eggplant. A meat stew and an apple dish called pomata. The really great thing about these is that it not only has the recipe, but with all everything you use in it, but how to make it. So you can actually try and make these at home. Are you going to try and make these? I'm tempted to try a couple of them, especially like the a couple of the pottages, like the stews, because I bet they're really good. <laughs> so clarea agua literally means clear water. So hey, whatever. <laughs> clear water. Yeah, it basically is just like, it just said a spiced water. So I don't know if that was like, their water tasted really gross, so they <laughs> added spice to it to make or it flavorful. maybe it's like vodka. Maybe they were, it's possible they were filtering it in some way with spices. Oh, here, actually, here's, I've got the recipe for that right in front of me. It's water, honey, Mm. whole cloves, chipped cinnamon, chipped ginger, and orange zest. That actually sounds pretty tasty for a summer day. It kind of sounds like, yeah, like a, like really nice, like tea thing to have before bed or something. Yeah. I'll post all these recipes later, but just kind of a really interesting insight into one meal. (laughs) For five people, for an archbishop at the time, because you know an archbishop is going to be considered higher nobility, not necess- not in any way poor. Just how much of that food do you think went to waste? Honestly, probably not much, because they would sit there for hours. That's true. That's the thing is, we've talked about banquets and stuff in England a few hundred years before this. It wasn't that different in Spain. A lot of other courts throughout the world mimicked what the English court was like a lot, especially with lavish meals and banquets and all that kind of stuff. I always feel like the English kind of set the way the nobility should be for all the other countries. And even though they necessarily didn't even like England, they would follow in their footsteps in a lot of ways. And Europe has always been a place, well, not always, but for a long time now, for hundreds of years, has been a place where mealtime is meant to be enjoyed. It's a very leisurely 
languid thing to do. You sit there for a very long time. You enjoy each other's company. You mm-hmm. enjoy the food. It's not like in America where you go to eat and then you're you done 20 minutes later. You have to go back to work, right? I mean, there's still places like in Spain where you have a long leisurely lunch and then you go take a nap. We it, should do that. I do do that. <laughs> regularly (laughs) well that was one of the funny things you know a few months ago when we took our trip to london that like we would finish our meal so fast because that's what we're used to and we would like be waiting for our check and we were like why isn't the waiter coming why is no it's because they're not expecting us to be done yet well and this was with me telling everyone hey slow down a little bit they want you to enjoy your food and they're not bringing the check because it's not time yet. We you, haven't they, been here long enough. They're not going to bring the check for an hour. Stuff. I, I want to go yeah. back to the museum. It was it was really interesting. The first time I ever experienced that, we were in a rush because we had a show to get to. It was my first time going over, and we were getting really mad because nobody was bringing us a check, and we're mm-hmm. like, we need to go. We've got a show. <laughs> so yeah, that's just a fun little insight into the the time of Charles the Second. Thank y'all. I love hearing all about the food, and I think we should definitely try some of those recipes. I totally think we should. I at least want to make one of the the pottages. We could do that on Sunday. We're going to be recording more. We could do it on Sunday. There we go. And then during that recording, we'll tell people what it is. Yeah, we'll let you all know how it it goes. Yeah, it's a great idea. So moving back to Charles. Charles suffered with his medical conditions through his life, and he was described as short, lame, epileptic, senile, and completely bald before 35. Charles was only three years old when his father, Philip IV, died. His mother, Mariana, was appointed queen regent and ruled for her son. This regency would result in a power struggle between his mother and his illegitimate half-brother, John of Austria the Younger. There's always an illegitimate half-brother. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There always is. During this time, the Spanish Empire was collapsing, and the Spanish crown declared bankruptcy in 1662 and again in 1666. So, bad times for the Spanish. Yeah, this is kind of leading into what we were saying, the end of the golden age of Spain. Really, during Charles's reign, Spain started to go really downhill, and it wasn't necessarily his fault. Although he wasn't a very good ruler. Well, it was his mother who was ruling in his stead right now. Well, yeah, but when you've got someone who's not a good ruler, people don't take it as seriously. Yeah. Spain was also dragged into another war with the French over the Spanish Netherlands. And as we have found before, wars are expensive. Mm -hmm. What? No. Yeah. The cost of this conflict was straining the already fragile Spanish economy. And in 1678, John the Younger was able to seize power and exile Mariana and made peace with the French. So... For now. For now. It's always for now. (laughs) He basically sees this opportunity to say, hey, like Danielle was saying, we don't have a great ruler right now. Mariana's not doing a great job. I can do a better one. Everyone always thinks they can do a better job. There's... I know I can do a better job than Trump. Come on. I mean, yeah. That's fair. I'm pretty sure my cat <laughs> could do a better job than Trump, and my cat spends most of his life sleeping and screaming. Well, so does Trump. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's very true. But my cat's a lot cuter. 
much cuter. Much, much cuter. <laughs> John the Younger. <laughs> <laughs> Michael's just like, wait, am I allowed to speak again? No, I was trying to find my place in my notes again. <laughs> So John the Younger was able to seize power and actually exiled Mariana and made peace with the French for now. But he wasn't able to stabilize the economy. Shocker! Which is one of the big promises he made. Maybe because they weren't taxing the wealthy nobles. Right? Like, this probably all (laughs) wouldn't have happened if they just taxed the nobles. But if you didn't tax the wealthy nobles, then... The money that they would spend and trickle down to the poor people, like, that wouldn't be happening. And how's that working out for you, jobless wonder? I have a job. Kind of. He's a teacher. Kind I teach. of. He makes a little tiny bit of money. I shouldn't talk. I finally just got a job again. <laughs> <laughs> that trickle down effect is really helping us out right now. Super. 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 <laughs> Damn, Pope kids. Anyway. Uh, but... This didn't really work out because John died in September of 1679. Oops. And guess who came back into power? <laughs> Charles. No. Damn His it. mother? His mother. After he died, she came back from exile and she's like, over his grave. <laughs> she's like, screw y'all. I'm back, bitches. I'm ruling the kingdom now. Right? I can see her, like, showing up to his funeral. <laughs> She's gonna do like that cool gangster thing where she just like walks up to it with her cane and stuff and like throws a single rose on the grave. That's all, dressed a giant... in, all dressed in white. Yeah, it's actually just a giant F U. I'd do it. It's like, what's up, bitches? <laughs> this is not actually what happened, just FYI. Or is it? No, it's not. I it's really, not. It's really like... wish that it I was. I wish that was real. We need a. Uh... Made-for-TV dramatized version of this where it happens. We can make a documentary. Oh, God, yeah. Like a fake-umentary? Yeah. A mockumentary, yes. Yes. Let's a fake-umentary? Who calls it a fake-umentary? A mockumentary. It's a mockumentary. I don't know these things. Are you drunk on the shitty wine? No. Okay. Are you sure? I think he might be, because the bottle's half gone and you and I barely touched it. <laughs> we'll make a mockumentary where this happens. It'll right. be great. All right. So, she came back from exile and seized power again as queen, as queen regent because as queen. nobody could tell her no. I uh, mean, they could. I mean, her son's like, just, what, 17 at this point? So, he could. He just but doesn't. he can't at the same time. Pretty much. Yeah. Like, it's really, really sad that all of these people just control him through him and he has... Like, no say in it at all. But, like, how many monarchs have we covered already where, like, over half of them aren't actually the ones ruling? It's someone ruling through them. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's just kind of came with the territory. Unfortunately. So, before John died, he did arrange a marriage between Charles and Maria Louise of Orleans in 1679. Charles was devoted to his wife, Marie, and Marie was able to pull a lot of power away from Charles's mother in February. Oh, what a good wifey. Yeah. Right? Uh, she was trying to do right by her husband. In February 1689, Marie died. Aw. Yeah, they were married only 10 years. It's kind of sad. There were accusations that she was poisoned, but there was no 
evidence. And they never had any it. kids, right? Correct. He never fathered any children. And we'll get to that. We'll get to why in a bit. In August of the same year, Charles wed uh, Maria Anna of Newburgh. So another Maria. Well, the first one was Marie. This one's Maria. Yeah. 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 Ooh, getting your facts wrong, Michael. Well, he got it first, right the first time. It's fine. Shh, let me make fun of him. And he, the best part is he also, Amanda, you know how you were getting so angry about the names in England? Yes. Okay, so his, the same. his mother is Mariana. His sister is Maria. His spouses are Marie and Maria. Which, I thought it was just the English who were stupid about names. <laughs> which, just a side note, their family portrait is one of my most favorite family portraits of all time. Why? I don't think I've seen their family portrait. You should take some time to look it up. We'll maybe post it on social media, but... I also shouldn't say anything concerning the fact our mother and our sister both have the middle name Marie. <laughs> yeah, but they're not royalty. Still... Like, we do it in our own family. We've got, like, four Steves or Stevens in our family. We have so many with the middle name Ray. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. Second marriage that Charles did was by proxy, and they were not formally wed until May of 1690, which getting married by proxy would be kind of weird. Like, if you're Charles, you're standing there at the altar, who's the person across from you? Well, it's kind Is of it like... the one with the giant dog? Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay, we need to post amazing, that yeah. one. Um, so it's, Wait, no, that's not the one I'm thinking of. It's, it's a different kind one. kind of like... But there is a dog. I'll show it to you later. Marriage by proxy works kind of like the way Mormons do their ceilings in a temple where someone takes the place of the person that's dead. And there are also places in China where you can marry someone who's already died if you didn't get to marry them in life. That I had heard about. Yeah, so it's the same kind of concept where someone stands in for that person that you're being wed to. This is something that actually happened quite a lot in royal families. As most often when one or more of the couple are too young to actually leave home and get married officially. Wasn't so. Catherine who married Henry VIII? Weren't they, wasn't their marriage sealed by proxy originally? Theirs wasn't. Her marriage to his brother Arthur was. Uh, I knew one of her oh, marriages was sealed by proxy. Yeah. Actually, wasn't it sealed by proxy twice before no. she arrived? No, it was just the one time before she arrived. I thought it was twice. It was like one of those weird things where they did it twice. Mm -mm. They had a, an actual ceremony after she got there. Quite a while. Quite a while after she got there. But anyway. I was thinking like a cardboard cutout or like <laughs> maybe maybe you could do modern marriage by proxies like over FaceTime. Sorry, I couldn't be there for a wedding. My flight was delayed. Yeah, just that's when you it. don't marry the person. I don't know. Would that be really, that's not by proxy, though, because that's the actual person. Yeah, but they're not, like, there with you. But it's still the it's actual their, person. It's, you know, yeah. a phone. It's a phone. <laughs> or a You're tablet. thinking about this way too much, Michael. <laughs> so It'll happen. Michael's It'll saying happen. they're going, could we have saved money on our marriage just by doing it proxy? Like... You could have been at work after all. Remember that guy who wanted you to cover a shift on our wedding day? Well, there are people who do, like, in video game weddings. Okay, that's not the that's same. Not it's the not same a legal thing. marriage. No, that's not. No, but for real, the day we got married, Mike received a text message from a coworker asking if he could cover him. And Mike texts back, dude, I'm getting married today. And the guy's like, at what time? <laughs> and I was just like, oh my god! Oh Some people's children. How desperate do you have to be 
to ask someone to cover for you. Maybe he was getting married. married that day and he forgot to request it out. <laughs> I don't know, but it was just, I was so mad. <laughs> anyway, on to Charles again. Anyway, in 1696, Charles's mother died. Aw. Aw. I think it's going to be like my new thing every time someone dies. Aw. Unless it's Edward Longshanks because he was an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was an asshole. Charles, this was pretty much the only time that Charles was really able to rule for himself. His new wife was able to lend a lot of support, but it was Charles taking the helm. When he wasn't sick. Yeah, and that was what his wife was helping with a lot of that time. If he was sick, she would help relay things and help run day-to-day things that he just couldn't. But he was in charge! Yay! So let's talk a little bit about him being sick, shall we? Yes. He was a sick this boy. This poor guy. Like, my heart absolutely broke. I knew he had a lot of problems. I didn't realize how extensive till we started researching for this episode. And it seriously just... It floored me how much this poor man went through. And it's it's super heartbreaking because even today, when you have a lot of various illnesses and disabilities, you are you are oppressed in this society. And to have stuff like this back then, I can't even imagine. Like, who knows? We we have no way of knowing how much he was actually capable of doing, partly because they just wouldn't let him. Well, and it's one of those things where if you think about it, if he wasn't born into royalty, he yeah. would have been one of those kids left yeah. on the side of the road to die. Exactly. Yeah, something. So in his, just in his childhood, he had multiple bronchial and dental infections. He had rubella, he had measles, he had chicken pox, he had smallpox. Is there such a thing as large pox? Do you want me to answer that? Go back that? to your shitty wine. Yes. Chicken you pox have smallpox. Small okay. Or like a medium-sized pox? I'm going to throw my kazoo at you. Yes, actually, if you want to think about it in terms like this, it comes from the same viral family as herpes, and those sores are much bigger pox. So there you go. Don't uh, appease him. <laughs> He had chronic diarrhea, and this was due in part to poor eating habits. So part of this is because of glut- the gluttony of a royal. Part of this are the, quote, medicines that they gave him for all his illnesses. And part of this was because he had a condition known as prognathism. And this is where your chin is not developed correctly, and it makes chewing very difficult. This is, if you ever see a painting of Charles II, you'll notice his chin looks very odd. That's from the prognathism. And actually, my daughter was born with a similar condition, but fortunately, with a great deal of orthodontic work, we've we've been able to fix a lot of that. Oh yeah, she's had a night and day to that, that one, that kind of thing that just didn't exist nope, in his time. It really didn't. And that is a hereditary condition. He had epilepsy. And he had something known as frequent hematuria, which basically means blood in his urine. So he probably had chronic urinary infections, urinary tract infections. And I'll get more when we get into his autopsy, I'll get more into why that was. And it's possible he had malaria. And malaria is a disease that doesn't go away. They kind of sort of knew how to treat it but not really they had medicines that they could give that would help relieve the symptoms but malaria is a disease that pops up randomly it floors you it gives you terrible sweats and weakness and some people get a rash and you just you feel like you're dying and then it just goes away again for a while so 
those were the many, many, many issues he was dealing with. And there were actually more, but I'm going to wait again until we get to the autopsy to explain all of those. Like this poor man. I just... He sounds like... It's one of those things where it's like, it's kind of amazing how long he lived. It really, really, really is. And medicine back then was still super shitty, so I can't even imagine how miserable he was. Well, and how much of that medicine at the time... Made it worse. Made it worse. Yep. So he's dealing with all of that while all this is going on. And he wouldn't live much longer past this. Mm -mm. It was becoming apparent that he wasn't going to survive for much longer, so there were a lot of discussions of who would inherit the crown next. He did have two sisters, Maria and Margaret, and they both had male children who could inherit the frown. Inherit the crown. <laughs> inherit inherit the, the, crown. the crown. I want to inherit a frown. So the first was Joseph Ferdinand, who was chosen as the next heir, but he died of smallpox. Not large or medium pox. Smallpox. I'm gonna throw my kazoo at him. I'm gonna throw my kazoo at you. Charles then passed away in the year 1700, and the throne was offered to Philip, who was crowned as the next king of Spain in November of that same year. So, shall we talk about the death now? Danielle is going to talk to us about the death. Oh, he died. He died. So he died on the 1st of November, 1700. So he was almost, almost to his 39th birthday. It was like five days before, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. When he had an autopsy done, because that was actually something being done, especially on royals by that, by, by that point in time, the report That's read... That's interesting because wasn't there like a Catholic thing about not performing autopsies and not cutting up dead people? Is, no, that wasn't a Catholic. That's thing, not no. a Catholic thing. There that are some a Christian thing and a Jewish thing, and I mean, there are some Christian religions that, especially in like the early times of Americas, that thought Quakers it, and people like that. But that they wasn't, thought it was it wasn't at this point. It time was wrong to that do it was that. Christians but. who thought that. So, so they did an actual autopsy, and the autopsy reported that he had when he had his autopsy, the coroner Pedro Gar. Gargantia, said his corpse did not contain a single drop of blood. His heart was the size of a peppercorn. His lungs corroded. His intestines rotten and gangrenous. He had a single testicle black as coal, and his head was full of water. What the fuck does that all mean? Oh, I'm going to explain what it all <laughs> probably means. There are a lot of different... There are a lot of different things that people have talked about it could well, possibly be. Well, for but... the blood, that means vampires. Duh. Yeah, no. Okay, so some of the things he most likely had include a posterior hypospadius, which basically means his kidneys were underdeveloped and his urethra was really shortened. Ew. Mm-hmm. And monarchism, which means he, o prob he probably only had one kidney. He they didn't had mention how many kidneys he had in the autopsy? Um, not in the report I could find, no. He had most likely an atrophic testicle, which means that it was not developed correctly. There is a high possibility that Charles was an intersex person who had XX chromosomes, and so he had developed some of the genitalia, most often associated with male, but we know he could not father children, and with it saying that he had just the the single shriveled testicle that tells us it was most likely something along those lines 
he had a mono kidney, like I said, which is a congenital defect, having only one kidney. And the way everything's described, it sounds like he most likely had kidney stones and he had been dealing with chronic infections, which would make the internal organs in that area look really strange. Like they said it was rotten and gangrenous and it was probably more just like from the, the infections. And that would, because your kidneys are what process your blood, that would make your blood not gone or anything like that, but it would make it appear abnormal. And the head full of water, that one's a little harder to figure out. But what most likely is the case with everything combined is that he had some sort of pituitary hormonal imbalance and he had water on the brain. He had some welling in there from all the many things he was dealing with. He might possibly have also had acidosis of his kidneys, which means they were not processing acids and sugars in his body correctly. And so acid was spilling into his bloodstream, kind of like when I'm having a super high blood sugar. And that would account for unusual looking blood and absolutely can kill you if it gets severe enough. So it may be that that's what actually killed him was an acidosis of the kidneys. He was buried at the royal seat of San Lorenzo in the Pantheon of the Kings in Escorial, Spain. And one other interesting thing that leads to this idea that he had some stuff going on in his brain is the fact that his skull did not fuse by the time he was three years old, which is what is normally the case. Hmm. He actually did not even walk till he was six years old. Basically, he was born with a fuck ton of congenital abnormalities and possible intersex, uh, a possible intersex person with a whole bunch of kidney issues and urinary issues and it eventually led to his death. And I mean, when he's had all these illnesses on top of it, it's going to cause long-lasting damage. It's literally amazing that he lasted until 39. It really, really is. All these massive infections he had, all these illnesses he had, they absolutely can and will cause brain damage. Just the fevers alone he would have had from all these illnesses could have definitely caused some brain damage. The bronchial and chronic dental infections... You get a bad enough dental infection and you can get an abscess and the, you can get a septic infection. So there are a lot of things that could have killed him and there are a lot of things that could have caused uh, some of these symptoms, especially that head full of water. It most likely was just that he had some encephalitis in the brain for one of these conditions. So not vampires. I'm sorry, not vampires. Oh. No. Michael and I are still settling with vampires. But you know what, though? Think about this. If it had been vampires, vampires take mercy on the super sick and turn them into vampires so that they can be well again. Think about it. That's why Keanu Reeves is still around. Yeah. And we love him for it. That man is a vampire who never ages. Yes. But, you know, if he was a vampire, he probably would have been a lot healthier after being turned. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. You get all the, like, sicknesses and stuff go away. Yeah. So I kind of wish that was a real thing because if anyone deserved to get turned in order to be healed, it was this poor guy. So that he could live a long and happy life. You know what I mean? Well, like I said, it's like if he had not been born into royalty or nobility, he probably wouldn't have survived being a kid. Very true. Do you have anything about what happened after he died? In a nutshell, it caused a war. The Habsburg dynasty that originated in Austria, which was one side of his family, and then the Bourbon dynasty, which was from France. 
And it actually spread quite a lot. There was a lot of global conflict involved with it. Which is also not only just his death, but causing it, but the whole falling of the Golden Age and Spain going bankrupt and basically all going to hell. So here's the big question with Charles II. A lot of his medical conditions are speculated to have been caused from the incestuous relationship. Yes. Of his parents. And the fact of the matter is that probably has nothing or at least very little to do with it. So it is true that your chances of having genetic abnormalities goes up a bit if it's a really super close relationship. But the fact is you could marry your first cousin and the risk is only about 1% more than it would be with somebody you're not related to at all. When it comes to other incestuous relationships like a father and daughter where they have almost perfect match, like half and half DNA kind of thing going on, then that goes up to about a total of a 7% chance of genetic abnormalities. But where it's an uncle and a niece, that that takes that chance down a little bit. So is it possible? Well, it's possible he got some a lot of this stuff from his parents, but not necessarily because they were related. That's That actually is the least likely explanation. He just wasn't a lucky man. Yeah. No. Yeah. You know, I mean, I look at people like my daughter, Julia. She has a whole lot going on. That and girl most, is a walking miracle. She really is. And I most definitely did not marry a member of my family. It was just one of those things where the, the genetic codes of both of us combined opened up a bunch of recessive genes that led to a whole bunch of bad shit. So it's just kind of how it goes sometimes. Not necessarily because it was incestuous. It's still that seems gross. Like, it's still gross. It just seems like that's the easy answer to go to. So people point out, oh. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like. Charles II. Yes, it, you know, there's that small possibility. But I mean, how many incestuous relationships were in royal families that didn't cause any sort of yeah, problems he had in their children? Yeah, two sisters. Yeah, and they were fine. Well, and not just that, but if if we look at an empire like the Incan Empire, it was almost a requirement to marry your sibling. And we don't have records of this type of thing happening (laughs) with their children. And we don't have records of this type of thing happening with Egyptian families who also often did the same thing. If they were royalty, if they were pharaohs, they would marry a sibling. I don't know. They had wicked bad teeth. What does that have to do with it? The Egyptians? Yeah, didn't they have bad teeth? I'm I all the mummies I've seen, their teeth are pretty much intact, so I have literally no idea what you're talking about. He's mm. drunk on shitty wine. Yeah. It's pretty shitty. Yeah. It is so shitty. <laughs> so that wraps it up for this rather depressing episode about poor Charles the Second. But we hope Emily enjoyed it. Emily, thank you so, so much for the suggestion. And please, y'all, please email us and give us some more ideas. Monarchs and Malarkey, all one word, at gmail.com. And we've got, you know, we're, we're, we're mostly still covering the, the English monarchs and everything. But after we're done with them, we've got a lot of really cool stuff lined up. And it's possible one of your suggestions is something we're already thinking about. But maybe you could bring up something that we've not even thought of. And we especially want to hear from you if you know of cool rulers who are not European. 
that would be great. We we do have a growing list of women and uh, people who are from places like Africa, South America, Asia. But keep those suggestions coming. We even have an American president we're thinking about talking about. A couple, yeah. Yeah. But we'd really like to to do more than just all these uh, white guys. So so if you've got something, please hit us up. You can also find us on all the social medias. The Twitter handle is at Monarch Malarkey. Our Instagram, you can find us either through searching Monarchs and Malarkey or just our username, which is Monolarkey. And you can also find us on Facebook. Please come join our Facebook page and be sure to join the discussion group, Monarchs and Malarkey Peasants Revolt. Oh, wait, I just realized I did that and no one could see what I just did. I raised my fist in triumph (laughs) and I just realized we were recording and no one would see that. It's okay. We love you anyway. (laughs) All right. That's all for now, folks. See you on the flip side, peasants.